Welcome to the Real Estate Travel Academy podcast channel, where real estate and travel meet. Each week, we engage in authentic conversations with interesting and informed people from our worldwide network. Join us and learn how to conduct real estate business in foreign countries and seek a better understanding of cultural norms around the world. Here is your Real Estate Travel Academy host, entrepreneur and educator, Jean Joshin. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Gene Joshin of the Real Estate Travel Academy, a division of Hibiscus Tours International Limited. And today I have a very special guest, Anne Brobin. Anne is the founder and president of Hibiscus Tours International. I've had the pleasure of working with Anne for a number of years now and traveled with Anne, and uh, she's just a wealth of in- information and inspiration. And so it's finally here. We finally have a chance to uh, sit down together. So and let's just start off uh, right away. People are curious to know, how, how did you ever get started in real estate investment? Well, it's, it's, it's a long story. And as you know, I can talk. So I'm uh, going to try and curtail some of my stories, but give people a good overview of what inspired me and how I got into it and, and, and through it. So uh, I appreciate this opportunity. And I actually go back to the age of six. And I know that's a long way to go back. But at that time, I knew I wanted to be a teacher, an entrepreneur, and a traveler. So I've had this spirit since I was young. And I think to be involved in real estate investment, you certainly need spirit uh, and be a risk taker. Anyways, when I was 32, after... uh, a very sad and difficult marriage breakup. I knew that I needed to change my life. I wanted to change my life. And I was a sole single parent. I had a four-year-old child and I decided I would move back to Toronto where I was originally from. And there was an area in Toronto called High Park and I always loved going there and I wanted to go back and I wanted to live there. If I could choose anywhere, where would I live? And I knew I only had to think about myself and my son. So I rented an, uh, an apartment that was in a house and we, we set up there and it was the start. I, I had a career. I was a teacher, a professor at uh, Humber College in Toronto. So I had a good job. I now had the house in a location I wanted. And uh, I was also, I always had this little seed in the back of my mind. I'd started exploring the Caribbean when I was 20. And I knew somehow I needed and wanted an adventure that would take me back there. So in order to have this kind of adventure and have this new life I was dreaming of, I needed some more financing that uh, I needed to think of how could I earn some money. So I started taking in some students from another college in a program that would come in for six weeks at a time. And it was like, okay, so, you know, they're living in my home when they're a boarder, they're, they're actually living with you. I think they call it house hacking. And so I was hacking my house, my rental house. And uh, it was, uh, well, quite the adventure. But I decided once I saw things were fairly well established that, okay, I had some time during 
uh, the summer semester that I had off and, and my son was still young enough. So I said, you know, we're going to go for two months and we're going to go live on a seven square mile island in the Caribbean. And that was the leverage and the first experience I had of actually a longer term stay in another destination. So that's what started the actual inspiration. Exciting. So that really must have been an interesting experience. So tell us, what was it like for you? Well, it was major culture shock. I didn't take a developed island. When going to uh, this island, uh, it took two flights. You had to go via Barbados uh, and then over to St. Vincent. And I arrived in St. Vincent during their major carnival. Well, I didn't understand the importance of carnival, although I had had some experience in Trinidad. I didn't really even fully comprehend that it wasn't the same time of year in Trinidad as it is in St. Vincent. Nobody works. Four days, nobody works. And here I arrived and I had to walk up from the airport to the road. There was no cell phones back then. We are talking quite some time ago. And so I actually was just standing beside the road in the dark with my son and our two suitcases. I felt like something out of a movie and I thought, well, I'm either going to get killed or we're really into an adventure. The first person who came by said, what are you doing standing there? And I just basically said, I'm trying to get to this apartment that I've rented. And lo and behold, he goes, oh, that's my brother. I'll take you there. He's downtown <laughs> right now at the carnival. Well. I mean, it's a small island, but boy, that was just showed the kindness of people. And I thought, well, I have no choice. There's no taxis here or anything. I was, you know, I'm in the middle of nowhere. So, and we got, and we got to the apartment, got set up. So that was just to stay overnight because I could, I had to catch a ferry the next day to get to Beckway, which is nine miles across the channel over an active volcano. And it was rough. There was like, there was water coming everywhere and it was like, okay, we're not going to be going back and forth to St. Vincent anytime soon. So, uh, I, uh, once we got there, I found they had taxis right by the dock and we loaded up into the back of a truck. Basically you get into the back of a, a covered truck and taken to the end of the Island last road, up a little driveway and that's where the cottage was I decided to rent and um, that was uh, I mean it was like okay beautiful setting I could look at the whole harbor it was up on the hill so I got up into the cottage and it only had three walls the fourth one was a folding wall so it was open there's no screens no glass in the windows it was open and over the kitchen sink, there was a window and a huge beehive was there. And I went, Ooh, I have to get rid of that. I can't do the dishes with a beehive, like one foot from my face. So I went and found the gardener and I said, excuse me, but could you possibly remove the, um, the beehive from the kitchen window? And he looked at me and very quietly, he just said, no, ma'am, it was here first. And I went, oh, I'm not in Kansas anymore. This is a different culture. That was probably the, the biggest shock was just getting there. And I knew that I was in for an adventure. So what, we, what made you choose Beckway in the first place? 
Well, it was uh, about six years before that uh, I was sailing with my family in the Grenadines and we arrived in Bequi in time for Christmas and New Year's. And back then it was the only way you could get to Bequi was by boat. And when we came into the harbour in this bizarre looking boat, but we came, we made an entrance into the harbour, Port Elizabeth, and ships came from all over the world apparently, and I hadn't known it at the time, that arriving in Bequi for Christmas was a goal of every sailor. And these ships and yachts, and you could hear champagne corks popping. It was so crowded in this harbor that we had to raft one off of another. So to go ashore, you basically had to go from boat to boat to boat to boat. And we were seven boats away from the dock. So every time we went ashore, because the party was right there at the Frangipani, every time we went ashore, we were going, you know, across all of these boats. And I remembered I was brushing my teeth off the back uh, deck at one point, and this huge mega yacht came in that just towered above me and they just parked behind us and I just remember looking up and just going this is incredible and it's St. Vincent in the Grenadines where Bequi is located it's the only island that has a festival called Nine Mornings so the Nine Mornings before Christmas they beat drums and they go and party before they go to work <clears throat> well, not a lot of work gets done nine mornings before Christmas, but you would just sit there hearing the drums in the hills. That's what would wake you up. And at four o'clock, people would get up and go to a party. And <clears throat> it was just one of those thought places that was so different from any place I'd been. And I thought, I, I was going back in time and I just thought, you know, I, one day I'm going to come back here. I am so curious about this uh, destination that uh, it, uh, that's what, why I chose it. And so when I did go back, it was during that experience that I hatched my plan. I was going to start a company called, well, actually it was going to be called Bougainvillea Tours International Limited, my favorite flower being a gardener. But I knew people couldn't say Bougainvillea. I couldn't <laughs> say it on the phone every day and I certainly couldn't spell it. So I decided hibiscus was a flower. It's tropical. People can relate to it. So I started Hibiscus Tours International Limited and I was going to specialize in cultural tourism. Excellent. Yes, I'm glad you chose hibiscus and, and it has become a bit of an icon for your company. So that's great. Now, didn't you say you had a, a, a tenured position as a professor at a, a Toronto Community College? Yes, yes, I did. And I still wanted to maintain those ties with the college because I was just starting out there, um, you know, a few years prior. And I was teaching in human services. And that's why the cultural tours, um, I thought, were, would be significant to a program that was trying to teach people about how to communicate cross-culture. And um, so that was sort of the tie-in that I thought I'm going to keep my position for a while at least. Uh, I loved the college. I loved the freedom. I loved having the summers off to be with my son now that he was in school. But it was my real estate agent um, in Toronto. She was a woman and she was the one who rented me the house, the apartment in the house. And there was a woman who lived on the floor below me. And I was just in awe. I thought, here's a woman. And she had several income properties and she was really keen about this investment. And I thought, hmm, I could do that. 
of course, I always thought I could do anything back then. And so I ended up, I purchased a, one of the properties just down the street from that. And it was an investment property. And it was in that community, High Park, that I loved. And it just had the schools. It had everything I needed, all the walkability. So it was great. And I ended up renting long term the basement apartment to a friend I had met uh, on the island of Mystique, which is in the Grenadines, one island uh, just south of Beckway. And so that just brought all kinds of adventures uh, in itself. It was the first time I was, other than having borders, it was the first time I was actually a landlord. So I had to make sure that I was up on all the laws and everything. Anyways, I did this for quite some time and I was teaching both in Toronto at Humber College, but also through their affiliation with the University of the West Indies in St. Vincent. So it ended up I was going back and forth every three weeks, every month, every two weeks and spending anywhere from six to eight months a year in the Caribbean. So it, it was it was exhausting because I was teaching at the same time and running a department. So I was uh, it, it was exhausting and uh, I, I took a boarder in upstairs, which made it really good. It was one of the students and they were there to look after my son when I was going back and forth all the time. And sometimes I took him down south with me and I would do. Um, what did they call it, like the long distance learning with him. And I tried taking a tutor down and doing it that way. I tried homeschooling, uh, anything just to keep his life. He, he had a very non-traditional life. And uh, I actually, I'm glad I had that opportunity to try and raise him in a different culture. But it just gave me more as a parent to understand how parenting is done in a different culture and how work is done in a different culture. But anyways, it was exhausting. So I said, okay, it looks like we're spending more time in the Caribbean. So I packed up my son. I took a leave of absence from the college and I packed up uh, my son and three barrels. That's what we used back then were, were the barrels and they got shipped down and I headed down to St. Vincent. I figured I've got, I've got to see where I'm going to live. Is it going to be here or is it going to be there? Nice. What a story. And did you end up purchasing property in St. Vincent when you were living there? Well, no, I didn't. Um, the, the story and just to to kind of go back i had this business and i had to get my son in school and get acclimatized and i decided to go down in august which is the beginning of hurricane season so it's like what was i thinking <laughs> so uh, i i'm fighting uh, they don't have hurricanes very many but it is an island with an active volcano so you know i always knew there was some you know some dangers there but i hadn't factored in i wanted to go down during the summer so mike would have some time to get adjusted and uh, i ended up starting a summer camp for kids i always looked for where there was a need i was teaching i was doing all kinds of things in fact his school private school that i got him into um, had to get his uniform and his books. They all wear uniforms and figure out how he's going to get him to school. All of those things, just life for three months was just getting us settled, getting him settled. Then it was my business. How am I going to grow this business? And that took the time and my resources. I could see my resources were kind of going down, but I did get my uh, business up and running. 
but things run slower there. And there's another cultural factor was just like, okay, this is uh, taking longer than I thought. And I mentioned earlier, it was like going back in time. I had a business, registered business. I had a bank account. I had checks down there. We didn't have ATM machines or anything right. like that back then. Still didn't have cell phones back there, internet, computers. We didn't have any of that. So everything was done with carbon copy, writing, and even my checks. When I wrote a check in town when I wanted to buy something, I had to put on the back of the check who I belonged to because I was a woman. So I had a person's name that they graciously said, if I ever need to use a name, I could use his name. But I had to have a man's name on the back. That opened doors that I could be sitting for three days waiting for a meeting. And then finally I'd say something like, well, why didn't you say so? <laughs> I was like, oh, serious, I've got it. Okay. I just learned how to play the game. And um, yeah, things did open up for me. But finances were running low. And then the college called me and they seriously needed me to come back for, for one semester. And I thought, okay. And my mother was very, very ill at the time. And I thought, maybe this is, maybe we should go back and then rethink will I buy or not? And I did actually have a property that was being built and I was looking at buying it once it was, was finished and I could see myself living there, but it would mean getting a car. Then I'd probably have to take another job down there or rent out part of it just to start leveraging finances there. So I said, okay, let's, let's take a look. Oh, I had rented out my property, my whole property up, uh, up in Toronto. And as an absentee landlord, I learned the wrong, the hard lesson of make sure you hire the right property manager. My property manager wasn't telling me what was going on. And I came home to a disaster that I had to rectify very quickly. So in saying that, no, I did not invest there at that time. Great lessons that you learned there for life. That's for sure. So what happened then after that, once you got back to Canada? Well, I knew that what, what I had started down there, Hibiscus International, was what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in tourism. I wanted to be in cultural tourism. And I was... I hated marking papers and I thought if I can make these educational, then there's, I'll still be able to teach. I'll be an entrepreneur and I'll be traveling. So it checked all those six year old dreams that I had and I, I stuck to the plan. So I did you, I, I did leave the college and, excuse me, and then decided that I would make, um, Hibiscus Tours International Limited my retirement plan. So I'm, going to retire and this is going to be part of this plan and retirement for me wasn't sitting on a couch uh, it wasn't going through a pandemic certainly indoors it was traveling it was going to be doing what I love doing every day uh, and and that was was a key factor it was a change in attitude it didn't wasn't popular with my family I have to say what you're leaving a tenured position and yes mm -hmm. I you know, gone down a different path, but I kept following my heart and what I felt was important. And shortly thereafter, I sold the investment home that I was in and I used that to reinvest into a uh, four family unit uh, apartment in a restored house 
in High Park, in a very, in the Shishi part of High Park. So I felt like I was moving up. It was a, my dream home. And I had hoped one day maybe I would have it back all as one. But that wasn't meant to be, but I was there for many years. And my son grew up primarily there um, in, uh, in that area of Toronto. So... Nice. Uh, you know, I, I know a lot about you, but uh, you certainly shared uh, more information than I've known. And it's quite fascinating. You've had, you know, quite the journey and really, uh, what would you recommend to others looking to invest in real estate? Well, I think the, the significant things that I learned was try before you buy. So when we have people uh, calling us, um, at the at hibiscus because real estate tourism really took off in 2005 I did forget to mention that so I kept that whole passion for the investment side with hibiscus and if I hadn't gone down to Beckway I might not have known that I wanted to go back had I gone to another island it might have been I'm no don't want to or I might have stayed permanently there but try it before you buy we've had people who've said oh they want to go and um, invest in this country and i'll say have you been there and they go no and i said well you're thinking of uprooting your kids high school different medical services why don't we send you down on one of our try before you buy programs and really get to know the culture and everything and they came back and they went wow what an eye-opener no we're not ready to do that move we'll wait till they finished high school and then we'll reconsider it so try before you buy number one the second one, diversifying your financial portfolio, because you don't know what's going to be happening. Markets do go up and down. We've seen that. Real estate generally is a solid investment, but it's different in different countries if you're going to go global. And, and going international was a big leap from just being a local investor myself. So, you know, it, it's harder. And then if you're maintaining in two countries, it certainly requires um, international lawyers, tax lawyers, you've got to get a lot of people, financial advisors. So, you know, take and learn and uh, from uh, these financial and legal people, just so that you know where you stand, you're doing everything properly. And so diversifying is generally what everyone will say. And then see, I'm a follow your dreams person. I've always believed that life is short and it's finite. And I don't want to waste time, even throughout the pandemic, didn't waste time. We did our pivot. We did start the Real Estate Travel Academy. We did uh, continue to look at uh, real estate um, and cultural tours. So always following those dreams and, you know, life isn't a trial. This is it. We So do it. Try it. Um, have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D, whatever it takes to feel secure and um, have support. If you can build that in, it's great. But if you don't, you well, you will build it in for sure. So there, there's my, my three little tidbits for today. That's awesome. Yeah, so try before you buy, yeah. uh, diversify your financial portfolio and follow your dreams. And you definitely aspire and live through all of those. So thank you so much. And it really is a pleasure finally to, uh, to have you on our real estate travel Academy podcast. Um, it's 
always great. I, you know, I've been working with you for a number of years now and it's a fantastic partnership and thank you. And I'd just like to let our listeners know that um, Hibiscus Tours International, we have upcoming real estate cruises and tours and you can find out more about it at our website at hibiscusinternational.com. And I know, Anne, you're working diligently behind the scenes on the International Forum for Women Investing in Real Estate, and there'll be more details to come on that. So once again, Anne Brobin, thank you very much for being here today. Thank you for the opportunity, Gene. I hope you enjoyed this podcast from the Real Estate Travel Academy. Join us for future episodes where you will hear about real estate markets in exciting destinations around the world, gain insight into doing business in different cultures, and connect with global business leaders. Hibiscus International's Real Estate Travel Academy membership program can be found at hibiscusinternational.com, where real estate and travel meet.